Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. So happy to have you join us today. I have a wonderful guest who's going to talk with me about reparenting. And the front of the Body Love card is, it's a beautiful card. The person who was our artist just did a great job on this one. The little deer is like laying down with a little baby deer curled up inside of her arms. The goddess has her hand on her heart and the other hand is holding her little child by the hand. There's a lot of greenery in the back of them and it's just very sweet. You look at it and you think, okay, everybody is being reparented here. And in the back of the card, it says, reparenting is the action of taking care of the small child within all of us who has feelings and needs. Many times the pain beneath the struggle with food and weight is linked to emotional needs that weren't met when we were children. This is understandable since it's impossible for a parent to meet every emotional need a child experiences. However, as an adult, we can learn to meet our own needs and be our own parent. We do this by being compassionate, loving, attentive, and responsible to ourselves. So for me, this idea that I used for years and years and years in Beyond Hunger and in my own private practice and in our groups was the idea that a lot of times with disordered eating, the one who's eating is young and doesn't know what else to do. Many people eat at night. And I always go back to, did things happen at night in your house? Were you scared at night? Were you lonely at night? You know, what happened to you? And as we get older, we soothe ourselves with food, many of us. And that's what it's about. It's not that you're weak-willed or you just can't stick to a diet and you just want to have a you know, you're, what do they call it? Like you have an addictive personality. It's none of that. It's just this little small part of us that didn't get its feelings taken care of. It didn't get its needs taken care of. And it needs us. I need me. The job that my parents did is long, long over. So now it is my responsibility or my job, if you will, to not only take care of my body, and my spirit, and my emotional self, but also this little sweet thing inside of me, this little part that lets me know when I'm scared or worried or lonely. And if I will listen to that and take care of that, it's not anybody else's responsibility to do that for me. It's not that I don't need wonderful people around me. Of course we do. But it is really me and me and me and me. I came here with myself. I'm going to leave with myself. (laughs) So... I need me and it's okay. I have clients that say it's so much work to take care of myself. It's like, well, what else do you really have to do? It is your only job and it's okay. We have needs and we need to meet them and it's all right. 
So I have a great person to talk about reparenting, doing this work out in the world, and I'm going to turn the show over to her, and then we'll have a talk. And this is Marcella. Well, thanks so much. First of all, I want to express my gratitude for your invitation to be on your podcast. And I think you summed up reparenting so well. So my name is Marcella Cox. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified eating disorder specialist and supervisor, as well as a certified body trust provider and certified internal family systems therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm also the founder and executive director of Kindful Body, and we are a practice of licensed, experienced eating disorder specialists providing online eating disorder therapy and nutrition counseling in California for those who wanting to recover from disordered eating and body shame. And so today, I'd love to talk more about reparenting. And in your introduction, you hit on something that I think is so important of this part of you inside that is turning towards food. And often what happens is that part heart developed that coping skill when you were young because those emotional needs weren't met. And there is wisdom in that because you had needs or you were overwhelmed and there wasn't a parent there in that moment to help you through. And so you turn towards food. That's what often happens with many of my clients. Many of my clients have had emotional neglect or trauma, chaotic family systems, and it makes a lot of sense. There's wisdom in that coping when they were young and being able to reparent through IFS therapy is the way I approach it. Being able to reparent those younger, more vulnerable parts of ourselves is so essential to healing. Yeah. And so what is that IFS therapy? Yeah. So Internal family systems therapy is a type of therapy. It was actually developed by Richard Schwartz, and he was actually working with clients with bulimia when he developed it. And he was trained as a family therapist where he would come in and have the whole family and do sculpting of the family. And you're the parents and this is your role and you're the child. And it initially would work, but then it didn't work. And when he really sat down and listened to his clients, and they would talk about these parts of themselves. And it's like this internal family within. And so we have these parts of ourselves. We have this protective system, parts of ourselves that will protect us in a more proactive way. We, we call these managers parts of ourselves. And they sometimes can be extreme and get controlling or perfectionistic. But they do help you get things done in life. And... There are also these other parts of ourselves that are soothers and distractors, which are referred to as firefighters. And these are the parts that might go to food or the internet or drinking or some of these reactionary, you know, when you're overwhelmed, you just need to unplug. And this is where our eating disorder behaviors live. 
And when we can really deeply listen to these protectors and fully understand their good intention for us and how they really are trying to help us out and they feel appreciated, they often will relax back and we can get to those younger, more vulnerable parts of ourselves that are holding pain and are holding you know, emotions and feeling alone and shame and feeling unworthy or unlovable. And that's when the reparenting can begin. And we can really be with and compassionately witness what this younger part of ourselves has been through. A sense of curiosity and compassion. And sometimes we're there in our self, what we would call our self-energy, really present. And sometimes we can even do a redo of what did this younger part of myself really need back then? And then from there, often there's like an unburdening. We can let go of that pain. We can let go of the beliefs. There's often clarity that will come up about what is the truth of that situation. And because this is a more embodied experience, there's more spaciousness inside. And we can then call in qualities that we really need going forward, qualities that will help us continue this work of really nurturing ourselves and really caring for ourselves. Even bringing in joy and knowing that you're worthy just as you are is a really powerful model. And it has been so transformational in my own healing. And I just love this model. And it's been helpful for my clients and it's wonderful to see the healing that really can be done. Yeah, well, I remember so many years ago, John Bradshaw wrote the book Healing the Shame that Binds Us and talked a lot about that inner child work. And I just remember a lot of therapists and a lot of people that I knew were like, whatever about the past, let's just go forward. And I would say, no, we got to bring that little person with us to go forward or it'll maybe we'll fix the food thing but there'll be like a spending thing or we never even saw the internet coming it would have been an internet thing and I look at a lot of my clients right now I talk to them and they may not be eating and obsessing about food or their weight anymore but during COVID, they were definitely wanting to spend a lot of hours finding stuff on Amazon or, you know, and uh, I was like, this is the same kind of thing. You're just binging on stuff, on spending things, you know, spending on things. And, oh, yeah, I guess that, what would, they, what would you feel if you didn't do that? Oh, I'd feel so scared and fearful about that I'm going to get sick or somebody I love is going to get sick. So it makes sense to me, of course, it makes sense. It's a very sweet part of us that's trying to protect us from the pain of feeling scared and lonely and tired and worried and fearful and mad and all of the emotions that we in this culture think we shouldn't have or we should deal with it better or whatever we think. My good friend, Shannon Myers, one of the therapists at Beyond Hunger many years ago would say, we were smart little girls to come up with the things that we could do, <laughs> you know, because we couldn't move. We couldn't pack our stuff and put it in a suitcase and tell mom and dad, you guys are just not giving it to me. So I'm going to move down to the street to the Smiths. They seem like they got it together more than you do. We couldn't do that. So we had to deal with what we had and we had to deal with 
in whatever way we could. And we were smart to come up if we came up with food or we came up with reading all the time or watching TV all the time or whatever it was. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Absolutely. Living in our fantasies, in our heads, whatever it is, whatever it was. And you really hit the nail on the head as far as, yes, we can do all the CBT and DBT and behavioral kind of therapy in the world. But unless we get to these underlying issues and resolve the roots whether it's past trauma or the low self-esteem, whatever those roots are, and we heal that, we can't have a full and lasting recovery. No, and I loved what you said a minute ago that we can actually change it. We can't change the past. The past happened. That did happen. But we can change the energy around it if we go back into the scene and go, hey, I live in California. Come with me. (laughs) Let's go. I have a car. We don't have to stay here in this funky place. We can leave. Or that person didn't come over that day or didn't hurt us in that way. We can say, no, you can't treat this child this way. Absolutely. You know, we sort of reparent that part that was just left all alone by itself with whatever weird thing that was happening to them. Absolutely. And as you were sharing that, uh, thought that was coming up for me is like that is trauma when we are alone in our pain and what can be so healing is to go back to that scene where that little one is stuck and for that little one to not feel alone to have someone have their back and to really understand it and maybe come in and say no that's not right and do that redo and the little one really feels it so happy (laughs) (laughs) and you can update them and then they can start to move on and get unstuck yeah i mean i have clients that say i just don't want to deal with it anymore i've already dealt with all this stuff i've already dealt with my parents i've already dealt with the incest or the beating or the whatever the neglect or the leaving me somewhere. No, you have not. If you're still thinking that it's going to go away, it can't go away. It's part of yourself. It's your self. You can certainly love yourself through it and put your own arm around yourself. But unless we're getting a lobotomy today, you're not getting rid of any of this shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you it just can't. With you. Yeah, of course. But we can change the energy. We can change the trauma of it. We can heal the trauma is what we can do. I still have a scar from hurting myself falling down a staircase. It's not going to get away. It's just the way it is. Yeah. What I loved about what you said is like it's that holding that trauma with compassion. And that is what's healing and can transform it from suffering. When you can hold that suffering with love, then it can transform. And 
it doesn't change the story of what happened, but it changes the way you relate to it and you can write a new narrative. So the story actually, it doesn't have the same charge in it. And it's still part of your narrative, your book, but you don't get triggered in the same way. Yes, exactly. That every time, you know, people say, well, I can't have sugar cookies in my house because I can remember my grandmother giving me those. And if I have them, then I just eat them all. But that kid is still eating all the sugar cookies. You're not doing that. So let's heal that part of the sugar cookie eating with your wonderful grandma. That was the nurturing that you got. What if you get a lot of nurturing? Then sugar cookies are fine. They're just not all the whole nurturing that you ever have. Let's find a different way to nurture yourself. The sugar cookies might have been the way that grandma could nurture you, but you have other needs. And so like really part of the the healing process is to be able to ask yourself, what do I need? What do I really need based on like emotionally what's going on, what my situation is? Sometimes it might be sugar cookies and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But oftentimes it's <laughs> connection with another person or doing some other self-care, whether it be journaling to process what's going on or taking a walk or listening to music or doing silly dancing <laughs> to let that energy go. We have needs as humans, and there's nothing wrong with having needs. And it's just a shame that our culture tells us that there is something wrong with that. We have needs, and we need community, we need connection, and they're really important to cultivate in recovery. So turning towards people rather than food. Safe people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And ourselves. Again, I think that we are our own best friends. We are the true parent with ourselves. I mean, yes, our parents had a job and maybe they didn't do it as great as they should have. Or I certainly as a parent wasn't on top of stuff all the time either. But I also think kind of like, you know, Mary and Joseph might not have been really the best parents either. Jesus was like with his hands on his hips, I want to go to talk to my people. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Tapping his foot. (laughs) Tapping his foot. I know you guys are scared, but I am somebody special. I think that... No matter what, if we have human parents and we're human, everybody's just trying to figure out how to do this. And even if it's the best parent in the whole wide world, it's not their fault. But now you know that there's a way that you need to take care of yourself better. And you're the best person for it, not your new boyfriend or your dog or your job. No, you and you and you and you. Absolutely. I love that saying, I can't remember who said it, but it goes something along the lines of each day the world is going to take you by the hand and say, this is important and this is important and this is important and this. And it's up to you to grab your hand back and put it on your heart and say, no, this is important. Taking care of yourself is the foundation. It's the foundation. And there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. And like you said, we in this country, in this culture, we think that is, uh, I don't know, too dependent. We're so worried about being dependent on others. But I don't know where we got this idea, but we've had it for a long time. And then you know what? It doesn't work. (laughs) It does work. (laughs) Know that we have needs and to meet them. 
however way we can. Absolutely. I agree with you. It is a cultural issue, but it seems to be shifting. I mean, I was just reading the book Burnout and uh, this human caregiver syndrome that they were talking about, like we care about each other people, like there's human beings, which are typically males, and then women tend to be caregivers, and we are always caring for others, but it's really that we're caring for ourselves, and that really needs to change to meet our own needs and take care of ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with it. As you said, it's essential. It's vital. So before we end today, I wonder if you have anything going on that you need to promote, any kind of workshop or Anything at all that you want to talk about that you're doing right now that people can get a hold of you and do with you if they need to? Are you doing stuff on Zoom? Yeah, so my group practice, Kindful Body, we're 100% virtual. We started before the pandemic, beginning of 2019. And so we've been 100% virtual and just continuing to grow during the pandemic, all of our therapists and dietitians take a compassionate, trauma-informed, health at every size approach to recovery and uh, see eating disorders through a social justice lens. And we do believe that our clients' symptoms and behaviors make total sense in the context of their lives and that they are actually the experts on their lived experience. So with Kindful Body, you know, if someone is in California and they're are looking for support, they can reach out to us. We have an Instagram account at Kindful Body. And one of our clinicians is actually doing some consultation groups for therapists who want to integrate IFS into their work with their clients. During the pandemic, I have a part of me that was overworking. And I also then partnered with two lead IFS trainers to another virtual group practice for IFS therapy and it's called the IFS Telehealth Collective and we're in six states. We're in California, Oregon, Michigan, Massachusetts, New York, and Florida and we're offering IFS therapy online and it's growing by leaps and bounds because this is the hot therapy. It is a transformational approach and it's gotten a lot of attention recently. And so if people are interested, they can follow us on Instagram, IFS Therapy Online, or visit our website. So that's really what I've been up to. I've been pretty busy running these practices, seeing clients, and it's a labor of love. It's so good. I'm so glad you're in the world doing this work. Really so happy that you're doing it. So I wonder if you would read the for today, I will. Today, I will ask myself these four questions. What is my inner child feeling? How is she trying to cope with these feelings? What does my child within really need? How can I give this to myself? I will then do whatever I can to give myself exactly what I need. Oh, wouldn't that be great if we could do this every day, all of us, all the time. You know, I'm sure we would still be human, make mistakes, but maybe some of the bigger stuff might not be happening anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't imagine somebody going to war <laughs> if they answered these questions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you're right. I think if we were really honest with what we really needed, it would be more love, more connection, more joy. And it's not about the power and the land and right that scarcity mindset that we fall prey to so easily. Exactly. I am so grateful for you being on today. And thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much. 